Amen. Uh, turn your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven, <clears throat> and I'm going to read last week's um, uh, scripture real quick. Second Chronicles chapter seven. We'll look at the first sixteen verses, but I'm just going to read here. Uh, I told Ed Second Chronicles, but here we go. And this is Second Timothy chapter three that I read last week, and I'll just read it because I'll connect it because this is what we talked about last week. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, and without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have nothing have a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And we talked about last week. What we need is the power of God. Uh, I'm not good at programs. I'm not good at those things. I believe when a church seeks the Lord <clears throat> and seeks God's face, that things happen. And I believe that um, that's what's happening in this church. Got people are are becoming they're they're realizing their dependency. I realize my dependency upon the Lord more every day. It's not something that I just take for granted. I believe, and I was thinking about it's that song we were singing as Kendra was singing that, and I, I felt like I said, Lord, you know, I'm not at all worthy of any of this, Lord, but you made it so because of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we may feel that way, and and because we're so. Our, our hearts are so uh, bent for the Lord. We we just say, Lord, why 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 did you why did you take care of me? Why why did you do these things for me? Why you know you think about it? We're just a little speck in a, a great big ocean of people and things and all that. And yet God knows each one of us. In fact, the Bible says that He knows every hair on our head. He knows you, and He's here right now. He is here right in this place right now. And I'm grateful today that we can come together and we can just proclaim how a good good father that he is, a, a wonderful father to each one of us. He's very, very tender towards both of us, no matter what we're going through in life. And sometimes, you know, we go and we, we go through tough times and, and, and all of y'all know that. But I want to tell you, through it all, through it all, he brings us through it. And then we see, we come out and we see he is a good, good father. So in that power, I mentioned last week, how is it that we can tap into that power? How, how can we be revived? What is it that we can do? What is it? And I want to talk to, to you about that today because I believe that, that these things are happening. And if you'll, again, look at uh, chapter 7, verse, verse 1. We'll read it together. We'll read verse through 16, verse 16. If you'd like to stand as we read the Word of God, certainly do that or sit, position yourself, you're before the Lord. And certainly, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt, they knelt down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good 
and his love endures forever. The, the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. And the priests took their positions, as did the Levites, with the Lord's musical instrument, which King David had made for, for praising the Lord, and which were used when he gave thanks, saying, His love endures forever. And opposite the Levites, the priests blew their trumpets, and all the Israelites were standing. Solomon consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord, and there he, he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings because the bronze altar he had made could not hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat portions. So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all Israel with him, a vast, a vast assembly, people from Lebo Hamath to the Wadi of uh, Egypt. And on the eighth day, they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days and the festival for seven days more. And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, <clears throat> the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will always be there. Amen. May God add blessings to the reading of His Word. couple things. No more sacrifices, right? As far as animal sacrifices. But I want to tell you today, we are uh, living sacrifices. We offer our bodies to the Lord, the Scriptures say. We offer. And when He says our bodies, that means actually the totality. We offer ourselves to the Lord as a, a sacrifice to the Lord, our, our act of worship holy and pleasing unto the Lord. We do that. We offer ourselves to the Lord. We are the Lord's and He is ours. And so last week, I uh, played a song at the end. Um, and I want to stress on this today because our key verse is certainly in Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, right in there. But the song reads, and y'all read and sang along with me as we, we heard this. The, the title of the song is Revival. I hear the voice of one crying. I hear the voice of one crying. Prepare ye, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The prophecy is Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah was prophesying that John the Baptist would come and prepare the way of the Lord, the Messiah, as he came and walked on this earth and gave himself for your sins and my sins. Make his path straight. Make straight his path in the wilderness. 
and let his light shine. Let his light shine in the darkness and let your rain fall. Let your rain fall in this desert. Let your light shine in the darkness. That doesn't need any explaining, does it? You know, you see the darkness around us today. There are all types of things that are going on. People that are, are committing uh, crimes that are horrendous that don't seem to have any uh, conscience at all. And, and those people are in darkness. And we see the darkness uh, across this land. We see today things, people turning their backs on God and, and not even giving homage and, and just acknowledging God, not coming before Him. And so we see that in our society today. He says, let your light shine and let your rain fall. Let your rain fall in this desert. And that could be what it's speaking of is the desert, the dryness, the just the monotony that we go through in life. And, you know, we're searching for purpose. We're searching for meaning in life. We're, we're, we're like dragging through the muck and the mire. We're like just trying to seeking forward, just making it one day to the next and all. And so what Robin Mark is saying here is he sings this and as the scripture says, let your rain fall in this desert. Let the, your spirit come upon me and make me alive again. Amen. Make me alive again. As sure as gold is precious and the honey sweet. So you love this city and you love these streets. You love, Lord, Houston, Texas. You love League City. Texas. You love Dickinson. You love Lamarck. You love this city. You love this city. You love this country and you love these streets. Certainly every child out playing by their own front door, just everyday life, every ba baby laying on the bedroom floor, just everyday life, every baby, every dreamer dreaming in their dead end job realizing they're making money and, and the economy seems to be going well nowadays and it seems like people are making some money. It seems like uh, the unemployment rate is, is good and, and so forth and, and they keep going to work to get up early in the morning to go to work and yet they find it, it, it's a dead-end job. It's, it's like, man, this cannot give me meaning. There's something else in life is what he's saying. Every driving, driving through the rush hour mob we know that, don't we? Y'all can remember if you're from Lake City or wherever in Houston, and I remember going through Lake City and there was no trouble at all. I mean, you'd see a car and meet somebody every now and then and so forth, and now you can't hardly get out here on 518. You can't hardly get through through the rush hour mob, and when it's rush hour, it is a mob, isn't it, okay? Things are changing. He says, I feel it in my spirit, and I feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival, and you're going to bring them all back home. You're going to bring them all back home, Lord. All of these in that dead-end job, the baby laying on the bedroom floor, the children playing outside that never have heard the name of Jesus, and if they've heard the name of Jesus, they probably heard it in the wrong tone, in the wrong way. And he says that I can feel it in my spirit. I, I can feel that down in my sp spirit. You're going you're gonna to bring them all back home. I don't know about you, but I have a burden. I have a burden for those people that are going out into eternity without Jesus Christ in their lives. I have a burden. I have a burden to see those young children being raised and taught 
and learn about who Jesus Christ is and knowing that they have eternal salvation and they have someone who will never leave them nor forsake them and who will be with them forever and ever and ever to help them through whatever they're going through. I have a burden for that. I can hear that thunder in the distance. It's like a train on the edge of the town. Y'all been there if you've been in a, in a town or you can, you can hear it out here. When the train goes through here, it starts rumbling. You can hear it coming, can't you? But if you're in a country town, you can stand there and you can hear it way in the, in the distance, can't you? You hear it thundering, those diesel engines just cranking up and, and they're coming through. I can hear them coming and I feel that revival. I can hear it's coming. I can hear it like a train on the edge of the town. And then I can feel the brooding, the covering, the Spirit of God. And he's saying, lay your burdens down. Lay your burdens down. Jesus said, certainly, God said in his word in First Peter, to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. He says to cast all of our cares, every one of them. And so whatever care you have today, he says to cast all of your cares on him because he cares for us. He says that he has your, your future in his hands and not to worry. Live. You don't, you see, we don't live in the present moment enough. We live in the past or we live in the future, but we don't live in the present moment. We don't enjoy the present moment because we're so worried about the past and maybe there have been certainly some mistakes we've made or, or things we've gotten into we wish we hadn't, but we look at the future and we go, Oh man, this looks bad. It looks bleak and all. And what revival does when God comes and touches and revives us, he says, lay your burdens down. There's a freedom. There's a lifting of those burdens. There's a freedom that God's people begin to experience in that. He says, from the preacher preaching when the well is dry. Sometimes I feel like the well is dry. I preach. When the preacher is preaching when the well, he's talking about, Lord, anoint this. Let your spirit go forth in this congregation and change people's lives, you see. The preacher preaching when the well is dry to the lost soul reaching for a higher high. They have so much. Now, meth is obviously on, on the loose around this country today. Meth is, is obviously all over the place now. They're, the lost soul reaching for a higher high, trying to get high somehow to get their mind off of what we're going through. If I can just feel good for those moments and, and so forth, I know I'm going to have to come down, but if I can feel good, if I can get another drink in me, I know I'm going to experience something to kind of get this off of me and all. And then eventually, I know I'm going to have to come down off of it, but it's not satisfying. In fact, it's just, you see, you dig deeper and deeper. And from the young man working through his hopes and fears, young people today, I want to tell you, they're looking for hope. Young people are looking for hope. They see today uh, a country that obviously we see people saying things that are not true. They see things being propagated and hatred towards one another and all of these things. And, and that young man is working through his hopes, his hope, because you see, we were made for God. And when we don't satisfy that with a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's always an emptiness in our hearts. Never fulfills the things of this world. It never fulfills. That young man certainly working through his hopes and fears and to the widow walking through the veil of tears. 
people have lost uh, loved ones in this place tonight, today. But it doesn't, I believe it could say, for the losses we've had, the disappointments in life, because we look at life and we go, it hasn't turned out the way that I thought it would. Things are not working out at all. In fact, it looks like it's going the opposite way, you see, for the widow working through the, the veil of tears, every man and woman, every old and young, every father's daughter, and every mother's son, every one of us. The totality of society, everyone, young and old, it doesn't make any difference. I feel it in my spirit, and I feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival, and you're going to bring them all back home. Amen. You see, we need revival. Revive us. And it says, revive us and revive us and revive us with fire. And that's what I want to talk about today, real quickly. But I want to talk about because I'm tired of dead religion. I'm tired of dead preaching. I'm tired of dead singing. I'm tired of all of that. I need the Spirit of God. I need the presence of the Lord operating in my life in a way maybe I've never experienced before. Maybe you can say the same thing. And I believe here that Solomon, and that is God's Word to you and me when he talks about it, when he talks about exactly uh, what we need. And I believe it is the fire of God coming down upon us and awakening us. So when we talk about revival, what does revival mean? Revival means to make alive or to live again. It's becoming alive down in our hearts. It's becoming alive that we are waking in our innermost beings to the reality that there is a God and He's holy and He's righteous and He's made a way for us to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. And so it's to live again today. I want to be revived. I want to live again. I, I, I want to be so hungry for the Lord that nothing at all knowing will quench or any way fill that hunger except the presence of God. Amen. I want to live again. And revival is that way. And certainly when we see here, I believe this recipe for revival, when he talks about it, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then he said, I will hear from heaven and I will uh, forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. If there was ever a time that we needed today to humble ourselves and say, Lord, we're totally dependent upon you. Nothing else is going to make any difference. Nothing else is fulfilling this for that old and the young, the baby laying on the bedroom floor, for, for those who've wandered away. They've heard the truth maybe before, but but they've never really just said, I want to be, I want to follow you, Jesus. You see, he's saying today, this I believe is what we're to do. And so I want to talk just briefly, how will you know when revival comes? How will you know? I believe you'll see the firefall. You remember in Acts chapter 2, where the tongues of fire rested upon the people? What did it do? What's fire do? Anybody know? Anybody say? It burns. Jennifer, anybody? What's fire do? When fire comes, what's it do? I mean, it takes it, 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 it takes it out, doesn't it, Karen? It just it just completely obliterates it. And so that fire resting, it, it comes and burns off those things 
that we know we've asked God we do want, don't want in our lives. We, we want to live in a, a close relationship with God. We want to know the reality of His presence. We want to be aware of His presence all the time because He's here right now. We're worshiping Him. I, I, you know, we love when Jerry and I we, and Ed, we put together songs and, and all, and we do that. And they've been doing it, obviously, any time a worship team is put together. But, you know, all of that today is, is certainly just saying, we need you, Lord. We need you desperately, and we need the fire of God to fall. I'm tired of this, you know, the dead praying, the dead things here. I'm tired of trying to make an impression. I'm trying to be, trying to, I'm tired of trying to be a, just a good church folk. I'm tired of cold church services. I'm tired of that. You know, when you walk for miles in the snow and you come up and you see today you're looking for a fireplace, right? You're looking for a place on fire and you walk in and you just see a picture of a fireplace. And it's not doing, going to do you any good. You need the fire of God to come and fall upon us and ignite that passion down in our hearts for God and God alone. He's the only one that can do it. Because all these other things we found, just uh, they're dead. We find there's no fire here. We need the Holy Spirit's fire here, the fire of God. We'll see the fire, I believe, fall when revival comes. You'll see that. You'll see people begun, beginning and falling in love with Jesus. You see people that have a passion for God like you've never seen before. That's what revival will do. But also, according to this scripture here in, in verse 1 and 2, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. If y'all been raised in the church, you've all talked about the glory of God all your lives. So what does that mean? I mean, when you know, you can see. I was sitting in a classroom one day not too long ago. It was last year. And I was sitting there, and this my, my mentor teaching a, a bunch of pastors and all in there and all. And I looked across the room, and I, I looked, and, and I could tell what he was saying was bringing, was just touching my heart and all. And I looked across the room, and it was like a cloud. It looked like a haze that was there. And I said, Lord, what is that haze? The lights are on and all that. And I believe God spoke to me and said, that's my glory. The glory of God was manifesting there in that classroom where we were learning and, and we were teaching about the things of God. When the glory of God comes to such an extent to where I want to tell you today, God says, sit down, Jim. I'm just going to touch my people and don't preach today. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my seat in the pews and I'm going to wait upon the Lord. The glory of God's going to manifest, I believe, in that. But aren't you today, aren't you glad? You know, when the glory of God fills God's house, you won't talk about what somebody's wearing. You know, have you ever uh, seen a person put on the wrong color shoes or, or different color shoes, a brown shoe and a different color shoe? You know, they got up on Sunday morning and they they put on the wrong shoe. They didn't realize it and they'd come in and, man, the conversations about that guy, look at him. He's put on the wrong shoe. When the glory of God fills the church house, that's going to be, you won't talk about that at all. You won't talk about what someone is wearing. You won't talk about what somebody's doing. You won't worry about this and that. Let me tell you, it's going to be all about God. You know, the church in Cuba is growing. I was reading about that. In spite of the opposition 
the church is actually growing here. But when the glory of God is in the church house, there'll be freedom to worship. There'll be freedom to worship the Lord, praise Him, worship Him, sing and praise Him because you realize you're not trying to impress anybody. You're not trying to say sing a little bit louder than somebody else. You're wanting to sing loud for God. Hallelujah. You want to praise Him more than anything in this world because revival has come upon the church. You'll worship in a different way. You know, some people come to church. They may wear dress-up shoes. They may wear tennis shoes. They may wear cowboy boots. Some people may come up in their automobile. Some people may come up on a, on a church buggy. It doesn't make any difference when revival is here. It won't make any difference at all. It's going to be totally turned around. Cold, formatted worship services won't at all be there anymore. There'll be a life. There'll be like the fire of God. God waking us up. God moving in our church like we've never seen before. I can feel the Spirit brooding, moving. There'll be a motivation that's there like we've never known. You know, sometimes I come and, man, I got to get worked up here. We're coming to worship. Won't be that. You'll just be automatically motivated. You know, you come to church and all that. You'll go, man, I'm going to church and what's going to happen to church today and all that. If I can get through this hour and a half, I've got it made for the day. And I can go listen to, watch the Texans play. Okay. I know that's what's on y'all's mind. And it's not the gift of prophecy either. It's not a word of knowledge. I know what it is. You know, see, when revival comes, you want to come to church. I got to get with people of God. I got to get in the presence of God. I got to, I got to get there and bask in. And things are happening today. People getting healed, delivered, and saved. Amen. That's what's going to happen with revival, you see. And see here, King Solomon, look at this. He offered a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. You know, the spirit of giving will come upon the church. You won't have to somehow, you know, say, oh man, you know, your tithe check and beyond will be the first check you write. You won't have to say, let me see if I've got anything left over at the end of the month. I'll give God and I'll give him the leftovers. No, you'll give him the first ten, tenth of, of what you make and beyond because there'll be a spirit of giving. There'll be a spirit of giving like we've never seen before, you see. In John chapter 12, it says, and if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. The, com, com, the, the, he says a very great assembly was gathered there when Solomon spoke. Don't you want your neighbor to come to Jesus? You want, you want, don't you want people down the street? I guarantee you, just a, we could take a small portion of this section over here off of 3rd Street. And go to door to door and say, come on to the church house. Come on in. Come on in. Don't you want to hear about Jesus and so forth? And we would have a church packed out to where we couldn't hold them all. Well, what? when revival takes place, there's going to be a gathering of such a large congregation, assembly of people today that the world has never seen. Amen? You got to believe it, though. You know, not just a form of godliness. I'm not talking about a form of godliness. I'm talking about the power of God operating beyond what we would imagine. That we don't worry about what people think. That we only want to please God. When revival comes, you see, that's what's going to happen. 
but also how will we experience it? How? Prayer. He says, after the prayer, the fire came. When he finished prayer, the fire came. Their churches in the United States have been praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, one of them I know of personally since 1999. And their prayer, people praying around the world 24 hours a day. In Nigeria, I know. And around the world. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, praying to God. Because you see what? They believe they're desperate. They realize today that their neighbor's not saved. They realize they need God in their lives. They realize that, that, they, that they need the Spirit of God back in the church house to move, touch people, convict people, and not just the preacher preaching when the well is dry. The well is going to be full. It won't be eyes on the preacher. It won't be eyes on anybody. Maybe somehow the person, you know, they're, they're well known and so forth. It won't be any, any recognition of that at all. Their eyes will be on Jesus. Their eyes will be on Jesus. That's all we want. Prayer, praying. We need the power, unlimited power of God. One pastor that I've known and I know of for a long time, Jack Taylor, his limitation is written over all that man is doing and all that he's done, limited. We are whales in machinery, but minnows in morality. Man may seem better off, but he's not better. We have unlimited media of communication, but seemingly nothing profitable to say. We are witnesses to the failure of success. And it should be remembered that God passed by the Roman machinery and the religious hierarchy over 2,000 years ago to bring about the simple happenings in a nameless stable in an unimportant town in the Middle East. All of this was perpetuated by a number of prayer meetings. He bypassed all of that. I don't know how many people are in here today. I'm glad you came. But I don't believe God's impressed with numbers for numbers' sake. You used to have what you hung on the, on the wall back there, a plaque of what offering was given and the number of people that were, were there. I don't want that. I don't want to see it. I don't care. You see, I want the presence of the Lord. God is touched and moved by people that respond to Him in a way that's pleasing. The way that happened is prayer and saying, I'm going to seek him until he does this, which I know because you see today, he's the only answer. Again, I, I told you up front, I, I'm not a very good program organizer. I, I, I can't get those things together, but I can tell you what I can do. I can pray and so can you. Prayer coupled with humility, seeking God's face, seeking him. You can't see God's face. Obviously, on this side of heaven, he said, uh, if you see my face, you'll die. But certainly we know we can experience his face in just the same way. Just like the song says. Experience his face. God's face means he's looking upon you. He's seeing you. He's hearing you. He's answering your prayers. But prayer has to be coupled with repentance because sin blocks those. And I encourage you, get before the Lord and say, Lord, show me 
if there's any sin in my life. You say, but yeah, I haven't done it. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't done this and that and all these other things today. I'm talking about, are you complaining? Are you griping? Are you saying things are negative in a negative way, saying there's no way? Then go before the Lord. He offers forgiveness. I'm telling you, I know. He forgives. We've got to be willing to repent and say, Lord, I need you. You see a lot of people, sometimes I go in and, man, they're cussing. I mean, the language is terrible. And I mean, I'm not naive to that, obviously. But today, cussing just sometimes in the vile language and the things you see, you see we need to repent, whatever it may be. God will tell you. He wants to set you free. He's not going to obviously drive you down. He wants to set you free. So the fruit, the fruits of revival is he'll hear from heaven. In Seoul, Korea, there are several churches, but one of them that I know of, the, the membership is over now at this point, over 700,000. <laughs> I, I went to a friend of mine who's Samson's friend from India, and they have a big church there in India. I'm not sure exactly what part of India, but the people, I've told this story before, the people walk for miles and miles and miles, not on roads, clean roads, on, on the dirt, to get the church services. And it's a big church, and they preach the Word today. My goodness, how far did you come today? I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't go to a local assembly. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying today, are you committed to coming? Are you committed to this? Or are you knowing God wants to do this? If you, you get it down in your heart, I ask the Spirit of God to impart that to you, stir that in your hunger and thirst for righteousness, but also stop the unbelief. He's our only way. There's no other. But also... God will forgive us, he says. He'll forgive. He give, forgives us. Thank God. You know, there will be an atmosphere when your revival comes of forgiveness rather than condemning and fault-finding. People will be forgiving towards one another. And the power of forgiveness will just explode and saturate the whole church. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? One of those things you'll see throughout Scripture is forgiveness. When you have somebody's hurt you bad, you go, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. They hurt me. They hurt me bad. They said something about me. And man, it hurt bad. And, you know, some people are, are obviously uh, affected all their lives because of that. And they go through life with a burden on them. And there's heaviness. And they wonder what it is. And if they'll ask God, God may show you that, hey, you need to release that person or persons that hurt you. You know, we sometimes think when kids will will say something. You know, sometimes kids are, are pretty harsh. They don't know. and They'll say something and it hurts your feelings and, you know, and, and their peer group and all. And maybe you've lived with that all your life. Release them, forgive them, whatever it may be. You know, Jesus forgave you. And so we should forgive also. That's what's going to happen when revival, when revival starts here. God will heal us, okay? He'll heal our land. He'll heal broken homes. He, he will heal sin-infested communities. God will heal our churches. He'll, he'll heal, our, heal our marriages. He'll heal the brokenhearted. 
and he'll heal the sin-sick soul by his amazing grace. He just wants to do it. It's not like that this is this is hard. God does that. But you see, we've got to ask and we've got to get ourselves into a position to do that. You know, my prayer is, God, send the fire today. We need to be hungry and desperate. I was in a cafeteria yesterday and I was sitting and one of the young ladies that uh, takes the tea and coffee by and um, Cindy and I know her. We've talked to her a lot. She's probably from Nicaragua, uh, Guatemala, one of them. And uh, we know her well. And every time I'll talk to her and engage with her. Uh, and yesterday I was sitting there and I said, how are you doing? And I said, how's your niños? How are your niños? Now my Spanish is terrible, but how are your children? And she'll say, uh, she said, you know, she stopped and she pulled aside. And she said, my son um, is one year, is in first grade, but he's having a lot of trouble. He's got a, I don't know if she's married or not, but she's got a couple of children. And one is in the first grade. She said, he can't, he can't, um, and what do you call it? Like one year? I said, he can't focus. And he said, That's, yes, he can't focus. I said, is, has he been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder? She said, um, no, but he, can, he can't focus. He, 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 he's not learning. He's not growing and so forth and, and all. And he went on and I said, what's his name? She, I, she said, Aaron. I said, I'll pray for him specifically. And she said, thank you, because I know that God is the only answer. And God will, God has the power, she said. God has the power to heal my son. This precious lady that's helping, and now Cindy and I have known her for a long time, and uh, she's got a couple kids, and uh, she's just as kind and sweet as she can be. She looked at me and she said, God has the power to heal my son. I said, you're exactly right. That's what we need, church. We need the power of God. What will it look like? Fire, glory, a sense of awareness of the presence of the Lord. You see, we were created to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about dead religion. I'm talking about a live relationship with Jesus and with one another. And so why I believe that God is bringing us back to that, I can hear the thunder in the distance. It's like a train on the edge of the town. I believe that God is sovereign and He will do it as He pleases. Don't get me wrong. But I believe all of us, as we start this new year, need to position ourselves, a position of prayer, and call and cry out to Him and say, Lord, I'm desperate and, and I, I feel so dry. I feel so hopeless. And I know without any doubt that you're my only hope. There's no other way. There's no other way. And I'm crying out to you today for revival. I'm crying out to you that the fire would fall upon me and awaken my heart to the reality that you love me 
and that you gave your only begotten son that I may know you. I'm crying out for that today. If there's anybody here today that needs that, cry out to him. We're here to pray for you. We can pray for you and we can pray that. There is power. You see, we're family anyway. We're family and, and all. You're different than I am and I'm different than you are, aren't I? Y'all have always said that. I know you're saying that to your neighbor. Boy, he's a different type of guy. I know that. But it's okay, right? But we're children of God. And we love one another. And we're here because God is doing something in our lives. Amen? He is doing something so special. And so whatever the need is today, you see, Jesus is the answer. I can say, well, you need to do this and that. And it's not that I'm going try to try to work it out and say, you do do this and that. But seek first his face and his kingdom. And the Bible says all other things will be added unto you. If you'll put him first, because see, anything that usurps God's first place in your life is idolatry. If it's something, if it's TV, if it's uh, whatever, entertainment, it doesn't make any difference. It may be something you're in that you just need to, for God to break it off of you. You see, God is in the delivering business. Hallelujah. And he delivers. We'll come to him. And he, he may not, in that sense fix it right away because, you know, in seeking him. But somehow something happens because you can look in the rearview mirror and you can see, man, God, God did that all the time. It was God and I give him the glory and I give him the honor. And you see that that's our father who is a good, good father. We need revival. Next week we'll talk about some things about prayer. Um, you go, yeah, but Jim, I can't pray like you. I don't have the time. and It's busy. Man, it's hectic. And man, I, my, my feet hit the floor and all that. And we're not going to put legalism on you. But I'm going to share with you some thoughts about something to pray and talk to your father. And realize that when we all come together as one and pray, I just believe God will pour his spirit out. I believe we're going to see lives change. Do you? Amen. We're going to see lives change my life and your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your presence this day. I thank you in this place. Every person here today, whatever the burden may be, we ask that, Lord, uh, you would touch them and they would bring that burden to Jesus. They would just say, Jesus, I need your help. You see, that's a prayer. Jesus, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I want revival. I want my heart awakened to be made alive again to you and to my real purpose for my existence, and that is to have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, then ask him. If I need prayer, call me. Come forward after the service, whatever it may be. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't at all because, you know, you're saying when nobody else is asking prayer, it doesn't make any difference. You see, this is between you and God. This is not between you and the people. This is between you and God. Anytime that we can pray for you, we'll pray for you. I've seen miracles, and I know you have to. Offer yourself to God. This new year, things are happening. Father, thank you. I praise you. Touch every light here. I ask you, Father, even now, let the fire fall in this place. Let the fire of God fall upon this congregation, Lord. Come more Holy Spirit. 
more intensify your presence in the lives of those who have come seeking you, desiring you. Thank you, Lord. More. Let the fire call come, Lord. The fire of God on each and every heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. We desire and hunger for you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.